If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, and welcome to Moms Talk Autism. My name is Shannon Corza, and I will be your host today. Ladies, would you like to say hello? Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I'm this acting is, like a professional. Hello. This is, this is Jean. This is Jean. Tosh is chewing. Who, who are you, are, Tosh? Are we already starting? Are we? No, no. This is oh. just going longer than what I thought it was going to, but that's fine. Oh, we're just rolling with Say it. Say hi. Okay. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, guys, you have all four of us today. You are so welcome for that. And today we are going to talk about specialists. And we are not telling you what specialists to see or who or why or where. And we're not professionals. But what we are going to discuss today with you is just our experience and what specialists we have seen and why we have seen them and how that has gone. So stick around. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. And we're back. <laughs> Click. Um, okay. You guys have caught us at our oh best. Oh my gosh. We've, we've been happening? in we've been Getting in the closet for an hour. I've had a lot of cough caffeine. This is this is when we truly shine though. I mean Tosh is eating a lot of candy. Brittany's reining us in. Jean's along for the ride. <laughs> I am. I am along for Hunching. the ride. I'm here. Um <clears throat> all right. Hold up. So um with probably any special needs diagnosis, uh, comes a slew of doctors, a slew of specialists, a slew of appointments and therapies and all of the things. Um, and we get a lot of questions on Instagram and stuff about like, why, why'd you guys go see a neurologist? Like what was, what was the point of that? Or why, you know, who, what, where, when, why, what do you see for this? Um, medication, that sort of thing. So today we're really just going to talk to you guys about our experience seeing specialists and who we've seen and why. Um, and we are in no way telling you what to do, what to see. We do not give medical advice because we are not medical professionals. Please consult your medical professional. That's the end of yes. my disclaimer. Um, in, in blazing lights, we're bl- blinking, blinking, blink, blink, warning blink. lights. Um, yes. how do you guys want to do this? Do you want to do this? Like go around and talk about it? Or do we want to like throw down the specialist and we all kind of talk it out? What do you think? Let's throw down a specialist. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, well, I think probably all of us have seen a developmental pediatrician or a psychologist. Or I guess you can also get diagnosed with a neurologist, can't you? Like all yes. three and, of those. And a can't regular pediatrician. A regular oh, pediatrician. I mean, we, they wouldn't we, accept a right, diagnosis from our regular pediatrician. Right. You're, so it's by state. Um, so, I see. so state mandates dictate. Mm-hmm. So Texas will allow pediatrician, developmental pediatrician, or psychologist, or neurologist. Well, that would have made my life a whole lot easier. We had all at at Jack's diagnosis. All four? Yeah, I mean, she had a party. There was a team. It's OHSU, so they are a, um, you know, science hospital. They're a learning hospital. Um, So it was, I don't know, there was upwards of seven people that we saw that day. How'd you feel about that? Was that, like, slightly overwhelming? Um, yes and no. I mean, you know, it was, it's a, it's a, it's a warm area that their children's, you know, part is, Mm -hmm. is nice and comfortable and, um, and it wasn't like just overwhelming with all of this different information. It was just these different specialists doing their part of the testing. I mean, we were there for almost four hours. Mm -hmm. So. Well, I got it because I really had like this picture of like, you know, the moment in E.T. where they set up shop next to the house and have E.T. No. And there's all of these Please no. Oh my gosh. No. So I'm really glad you clarified what the setting was like because I was like because even when I went into labor with McKenna at one point I went or when I went into like pre uh preterm labor, Mm -hmm. um they uh had like, I was in like in this closet of a room and they had like seven docs. They kept inviting people in because no one could figure out how to operate the sonogram. And I'm like, how many people can I shove in this room (laughs) and be inside me with this thing? Oh my Lord. And be inside me with this thing. I mean, your husband's just sitting right there. And then there's just, (laughs) and then there's the medical resident standing against the wall, looking like a deer in headlights, like who are leading me right now? Like, this is crazy. Um, (laughs) It's like in the closet of a room. But anyway, so when you're talking about upwards of that many people, that is a lot of people. Well, no, and it wasn't, and it wasn't in just one room, you know, so you got to imagine we're in, we're in the children's. Um, portion of the hospital, and, and then we're in the children's portion. We're specifically in the area where they do testing for, um, you know, autism, whatever. Um, so there, you know, with, at one point we were in a room where they did a hearing test on Jack. In another part, we were in a room where there, where he worked with occupational th- uh, therapists, speech therapists. That that um, we're standing outside of the glass. Well, one one or the other of us, Tyler or myself, with um, other doctors that the uh, pediatric psychologist, psychiatrist, and and viewing, they're watching, you know, viewing Jack's yeah, that's kind observing. Of like one shop observing, one stop shopping. Like I actually that was great. Kind of I, I mean, that I, I don't because know. I yeah, have to make all those appointments separate. So that's yeah, why that's I'm I I, like, it's you know, when we've talked about this before, why I'm like, I, I've had a hard time like understanding, you know, like that you guys have seen these individually, and and before Jack even got diagnosed. Um, when we when we chose to start going down the the route, but he was waiting to be on. He was on these different three different hospitals list, waiting to get tested. Um, we are we started seeing a child psychologist, where then she 
um, sat with us, observed Jack, and then and then sent us to a um, a speech therapist to get testing to see where his speech was at. You know what I mean? So we had seen some people prior, and he was getting therapies prior to getting his diagnosis. Um, does that all make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No. I. Yeah, that I, makes sense. I think that that I is, think that's interesting. I would yeah. think that so, that should so, so maybe the time, be the model yeah. for how it should be. <laughs> yeah. So by the time that he got into or got his diagnosis, he was already in the school district, you know, getting mm-hmm. services through the services. school district and then services outside of the school district. Um, yeah. But then and then at his diagnosis had the full – they diagnosed Board. him with yeah, all of his things all pretty much at once. All at one time. Mm-hmm. So we we I've done it both ways where where our original diagnosis with Austin we went through a pediatrician. Pediatricians aren't necessarily allowed to diagnose autism in California at least at the time. And so we we were referred to a neurologist and that's where I received my first official medical diagnosis for Austin. And then we received an additional um psych- psychological diagnosis from a pediatric psychologist. Mm-hmm. And that's where we kind of started the ground running. And then after that, we ended up doing a study through um, a medical um, hospital, UC Davis Mind Institute is what it's called. I'm very fortunate that I live close to the Mind Institute. And it's a full facility that is geared around autism and other developmental delays. And it was like like you were describing, Tosh, it's very kid-friendly and they've designed the whole building and the whole structure to to be there for particularly young children. Um, and you see multiple doctors back to back. They book you for like a day and you you do all the things all at once. You move from yeah. room to room with breaks in between breaks. and they bring you mm-hmm. lunch and all these different yep. things. Yep. And then and then you're compensated for participating in these kinds of studies. And we've done that as well. So um Austin was part of the Autism Phenome Project. Mm-hmm. It's a um Years, years in the making study of of um, a large, large group study of autism and just just gathering information about autism in general. Yeah. And they they had us come back, you know, yearly um, for several years up to a certain point to, and they just did the same tests again and again and again. And it was it was fascinating. I learned a lot just watching and meeting all those amazing doctors and everyone's so so kind and just there for the research, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. But that that anyway, is what OHSU is like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Research hospitals can be super cool. And they feed you. Uh, yeah. If you have, if you're close to some kind of, um, you know, collegiate hospital like a UC Davis or whatever, uh, if if you live like look into it, they might have a program like that. Um, I get emails occasionally asking if if you know they'll have you fill out a little survey to see if you qualify for new studies, and you can always say no, but. It's just nice to know that there's things like that, and my my experiences there have been very positive. So, mm-hmm. well, then I'll I'll plug for the Kennedy Krieger Institute, which is in Maryland, part of Hopkins, but mm-hmm. their leaders um, they have a free search. One of the doctors is leading the Spark research program, mm-hmm. and yeah. anyone mm-hmm. can contribute mm-hmm. um, to that. I get emails so for just, that. Yep. Yeah, so you can, and it's an ongoing. It's an ongoing study, but it's all done over, you know, the computer. Um, so you don't have to be in person for it. And it is them collecting information um, mm-hmm. and doing evaluations <clears throat> through that angle. 
Or, or if you're cool. a listener out there who hasn't got a diagnosis yet, you know, or you're you're somebody listening and you're a family member, um, you know, maybe sharing this with your pediatrician or sharing this with your family member about, uh, you know, trying to get onto a list at a learning hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I originally didn't get the diagnosis from the pediatrician. We were, I had asked for the pediatrician to give me a referral from the neurologist because I wanted a neurologist to deliver the diagnosis if, if the diagnosis was going to be delivered. And at the same time in tandem, we were doing the evaluation for school eligibility um, and evaluation. So those were sort of coming at the same, at the same time and the same wind. Um, and then I had bumped up against, uh, issues with denials. And then my pediatrician was just the current one was just not on board or had full understanding, didn't want to be a part of the advocacy that needed to happen. So I, I had to essentially quote unquote, fire him and find a new one and reroute. And in that the, the new pediatrician had then also did a re, you know reevaluation, almost like a second opinion, um, so that she could help with with the advocacy um, to get hit all of his um, services ter- appealed, basically, so and turned around and authorized. So, but but the having the neurologist ended up really helping us um, as time went on. Like even if you know, we were on an initial wait list, you know, and end up being a shorter period of time. A lot of people are seeing windows of like nine months to a year. So it's worth, worth getting on, even if you don't quote unquote, maybe not see a need for it. But as we've talked about on other episodes, our kids change and being able to have be dialed in to that resource and they, where they know where the baseline, where your kid is, so they can evaluate maybe what your kid needs as they start to change, or maybe some things of what to anticipate in the future. Um, and there's other things that those specialists can do um, in those settings, like, you know, EEGs, you know, not all um, seizures are, you know, grandma or, you know, physically present, they're silent. Um, and so kind of ruling that out, uh, all that kind of stuff is really, really helpful. And then, you know, if there's a lot of our kids have dual diagnoses and, um, you know, so having a specialist that understands how that is, how that is shaped, how that, how that shapes your child, like holistically and their treatment plans, um, is really, really helpful. And that way, then you're also not on these waiting lists. If you then develop relationships with the specialist teams, then you can quickly access them to ask them questions um, and get your needs met faster versus, again, having to do the waiting game. Um, Can I read a couple definitions here real quick? Just like I'm, I'm trying to rein this back in, girls. You know, you know me. So like oh, we all know what a pediatrician is, right? Like it's it's a doctor, a medical doctor who is specifically trained to work with children. Um, I believe it's zero to eighteen. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so all 
everyone should have a pediatrician. Um, if you live in the United States, that's kind of how it how it works, or a family doctor of some kind. And then um, a lot of us, if you do live in a state where you need to get a neurologist to diagnose your child, um, I don't know if everyone knows what a neurologist is. Um, so I just did a quick little, like, this is a baseline definition. But a neurologist is a specialist who treats diseases of this brain and spinal cord, peripheral nerves and muscles. And they tend to... Um, specialize a lot in sleep disorders uh, because that has to do a lot with the brain and chemicals in the brain and then also like seizures and other um, diseases or or malformities of the brain. So um, there are pediatric neurologists out there and that is who we started off seeing and we continue to see a pediatric neurologist. They tend to be in offices with other neurologists and then there's like one who has additional specialized training with, with children. So, Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of definitions for you. And I know there's other kinds of pediatricians. We've mentioned a developmental pediatrician. Mm -hmm. If someone wants to like talk a little bit about that and then Shannon sees an integrated pediatrician, integrative, integrative, integrative medicine. Mm -hmm. Tell us about an integrative pediatrician, Shannon. Okay. Um, and so, you know, in Arizona, we had to, our pediatrician then refers to a developmental pediatrician, right? And I talked, I won't go into our diagnosis story because there's an episode on that. You guys can go back. But basically, the uh, developmental pediatrician appointment was a crap show. Um, So I had to kind of look for other options for a diagnosis for Gracie, which is where I found her integrative doctor. And she's actually an integrative developmental pediatrician. So she was able to do the diagnosis because she is a board certified developmental pediatrician. Mm -hmm. Um, But integrative doctors really focus on whole body health. And so this is not just an autism thing. Like I have seen an integrative doctor before. Mm-hmm. And the main base of basis for integrative doctors is they want to treat the whole person, not just the symptoms. So mm-hmm. if I go to a regular doctor because I'm having stomach problems, like they may give me an acid, right? Here you go. Here's your antacid. It's going to make you feel better. An integrative doctor is going to say, okay, let's dig in and see what's causing the issues that you're having with your stomach. Like, what are you eating? What's going on? Dietary supplement, like what's, they're looking at the whole picture, not just treating the symptoms, which is one thing that I really love. It's just a thorough outlook on things. So when we had such a bad experience with a developmental pediatrician, I found this other doctor. The struggle in Tucson is at the time there were three developmental pediatricians. So the wait list was insane to see one. It took us over nine and a half months to see an integrative pediatrician. We were lucky enough, Gracie got started, you know, with early intervention in the meantime. Um, the struggle with integrative doctors is sometimes they are out of pocket only. They don't all take insurance. Um, and I could go into the multiple reasons of that, but that's a whole other episode, I feel like. Um, well, and yeah, and and there's there's fabulous pediatricians of all sorts, integrative, mm-hmm. you know, medical, whatever. whatever. Mm-hmm. There's terrible integrative pediatricians out there. I totally. mean, you have to do your research regardless of what kind of pediatrician or other uh, family doctor you decide to go to. Absolutely. Like, and Gracie's pediatrician is wonderful. Like he's amazing. So, you know, it's just one of those things. And there are pediatricians that work with medically fragile children. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like generalized pediatricians who then that is their 
main level of expertise and they are obviously highly sought after for in our in our circle <laughs> that we all run. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think and, and- a lot of it for us is like finding the doctors that will take the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. that was the struggle that I had with the developmental pediatrician was that we were in and out in 25 minutes. I don't feel like she even saw Gracie. Like you watched my daughter for, you know, a 25 minute period of time. And you've now decided that, you know, she's too great area to to diagnose with autism when Gracie is very clearly autistic. So that's sort of the struggle is they're they're basing their idea upon a very small snippet of time and not the, you know, years that we have spent with our children. And the difference with the developmental pediatrician and one of the reasons they don't, or I'm sorry, the integrative developmental pediatrician and the reason they don't always take insurance is our very first appointment was J and I only and it was over two hours long. Our second visit was both of us with Gracie and it was over three hours long. So Doctors in the United States get paid for a small chunk of time per patient by insurance companies. And if they are spending more than that small chunk of time, they are not getting paid for it. So in paying out of pocket, we were able to see a doctor who was willing to spend almost four hours with Gracie because she wasn't only getting paid for 20 minutes to see her. Right. Like there's it's unfortunately just another way that our medical system is broken. But that's a whole, again, other episode. Well, and, and and you sometimes can get lucky enough to find some who are, um, you know, board certified through like Western medicine, but they treat in a whole body way. They treat in an integrative way. Yeah. yeah. And that's how way. her, yeah. Um, that's how her says. Fine tuning it down to a pedi- you know, a pediatric is, is going to be probably fewer and far between, but, um, probably even harder do, in rural areas, har, har, harder, but you know, if you do your research, there's good possibility. And again, it all goes back to, you know, they're not all created equal. You can mm-hmm. have really great doctors and really bad doctors on in any realm, you know? Absolutely. And the thing I loved about her integrative developmental pediatrician was, you know, she's Western medicine board certified, but she also trained in China. So she's mm-hmm. like very good with Chinese medicine. She, she and treats Eastern. She has, mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's got a very wide, you know, like scope about her in different ways to treat Gracie, which I, I thought was very, very helpful in our case. Um, maybe not for everyone. But um, she's also been really good about talking about sensory diet and sensory things with Gracie. So it's like she's not just a standard pediatrician. She has, you know, all of this other training outside of that to be able to focus on different things with with us, which has been very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The more mm-hmm. tools you have, I just don't I can't see that as a bad thing in any yeah. way. I think we also and, you know, we'll have listeners that, again, are like range the whole gamut but you know we all the four of us have we we live in direct access to metropolitan areas or we live in areas that are densely populated and uh, even with sometimes the small window of what is available we still have that more available to us than people who live in rural areas and they're mm-hmm. having to factor in transportation mm-hmm. and maybe days at a time to make these types of appointments and stuff. And so that really, really is really hard. And I, you know, just want to acknowledge that for parents that are like, yeah, specialist sounds great, but you know, how, right. how do I get in? Yeah. I will say that one thing that really helped with that is probably telehealth. 
Um, 100%. That that gave accessibility to those families that didn't have that before. Um, And different ways of of serving those families that desperately need it. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're all kind of lucky in that aspect, even no matter how many hoops we had to jump, whether you had a one-stop shopping experience or not, like, or whatever, any kind of hurdle or hiccup, like it's why none of these, not, not even our, none of ours, even Brittany, just the, even the, the time timing, um, from when I had the manual change from the time that Austin was diagnosed by the time your second child was diagnosed. So yeah, mm. all of those things have implicating factors. So um, different. Yeah. in mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. Okay, all right. So like post diagnosis, right. Because mm-hmm. we've all sort of talked about our diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, Brittany, do you have another, well, I mean, you mentioned neurology, right? Yep. So everyone here has seen a neurologist. Yeah. Yeah, yep. only for for Natasha and Jack, it's only been for the diagnosis. Diagnosis, yeah. Okay, and so Gracie saw a um, neurologist, but Gracie saw a neurologist because um, she started having a tick. What was it like two years ago? I mean, you guys, we were all friends when that started, mm-hmm. weren't we? Yeah, yes. because I remember talking to you guys about it. Um, and we had to be um, very careful because we wanted to make sure ticks are normal for kids with special needs um, for one reason or another. But we had to be sure that it was not a seizure, like seizure activity that was happening. Right. So we went, we saw a neurologist. Um, her pediatrician had said, I am fairly certain this is just a tick, um, mm-hmm. but we just want to cover all the bases. So we did have to get Gracie and EEG. Um which is very interesting to do to try to get an autistic child to lay in a bed for hours. So that was cool. But um, we did that and it turns out it was just a tick. There was no seizure activity. And it was one of those things where um, he said, you know, this is actually very common and it can occur during times of like stress or overwhelm if they're Mm -hmm. feeling overwhelmed or dysregulated. And um, he basically said, if it gets to the point where it's like inhibiting her ability to do things or to enjoy life or get work done at school, um, you know, come back and see me and we'll talk about medication. But we've, we've never had to put Gracie on medication for that. It's something that sort of comes and goes, you know, depending on her current state of like overwhelm or struggle. Um, So we've been very lucky with that, but that's the only history we have with a neurologist. Yeah. We've, we've seen neurologists right from the beginning, straight off from diagnosis. That's where we received our first diagnosis. And um, we were, because of Austin's severity, we wanted to be very thorough and we immediately checked for seizures. And because that is a common um, pairing, it can be autism and seizure activity. So he's had, and then, and then you add on our studies that we've done with the UC Davis Mind Institute and um, just other concerns we've had through the years. He has had multiple EEGs and other neurology testing done with all those little things stuck to your head and, you know, the little packed to track everything. And it is not fun. I'll tell you the worst part is getting all that gunk out of their hair after they're done. Um, (laughs) Shannon's nodding her head, but um, uh, we have never had, we've been very blessed and Austin has not registered any kind of seizure activity despite all of our, you know, our concerns. So um, 
but we continue to see a neurologist. Uh, neurologists can help with sleep um, disturbances. We have um, gotten medications from our neurologist to help with Austin's sleep at times um, and behaviors, even aggression and other um, strong uh, behaviors that can hinder his safety or the safety of those around him. Uh, they can they can diagnose some of those um, kind of more mood mood. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Calming, um, you know, regulation kind of mm-hmm. drugs if, if needed. So um, that's why we see a neurologist. And I love my neurologist. I actually, we see a pediatric um, pediatric neurologist, but she's a nurse practitioner. Um, she's in an office with other doctors and uh, she's very thorough. And she will talk about all the neurology things, but then she asks, how's school going? What other therapies is he doing? She'll she'll go into all the other aspects of his life, and I really really appreciate that. Um, she always asks me. This is just something to think about for any doctor. If you have a doctor who's asking about other parts of their lives, asking about your family life, asking about other things that could be going on, at the end of a conversation or at the beginning, do you have any additional questions that you would like to ask me? You know that we haven't covered yet. Like that's the sign of a good doctor in my opinion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So just keep that that in mind. Um, If you have a doctor that's like, okay, cool. See ya. Bye. And they're out in five minutes. Maybe, maybe time to find another doctor. So, Mm -hmm. um, but that's the neurologist. Um, Has anyone seen a geneticist out of this group? No, uh, my neurologist does do genetic work. Um, but our pediatric neurologist, so originally we saw directly the pediatric neurologist, he left and we got assigned his PRN. Um, and she's amazing. And in fact, she has a, a older child, a teenage child, um, on the spectrum as well. So it's like also a good sign of a doctor who might be able to work with you well, if they have personal experience actually. And it really is super helpful and it makes it speedy now when we are trying to troubleshoot things and, you know, not having to spin wheels. Um, she really relies and has a lot of, puts a lot of weight into what I say. She has a lot of trust in me and information that I'm providing as a parent. And I think that's, um, that's super critical. You know, if you've established a pattern of being a good historian for your child, um, that's going to help you in any of those situations with those specialists, because it's really hard. It's challenging. The more people you add to the care map to like, try to kind of get everybody kind of on the same page, whether or not they talk to each other or not to make sure that you're not getting mixed messaging. Um, Cause that can then, that makes it really hard for you as the parent of like, okay, well then how do I make this decision? You know, does this person's decision, you know, or does that trump what, you know, this doctor, or this professional is saying, because they all see things, especially if they are specialists, I mean, even down to your, your speech therapist and your occupational therapist and your, if you do ABA or any of any kind of behavioral therapy, they're seeing things from their lens, right? So sometimes they are just kind of stuck in peripheral vision and not really looking at the, you know, having a, uh, 365, like, you know, lens, mm-hmm. lens, like yeah. oversight, you know, because they're just, you know, specific to, to their lane. 
Um, and so that can be really hard to navigate as a parent. Um, one specialist we saw, and I don't know if any of y'all have ever seen one of these is a, um, oral motor specialist. And I would say we probably, it was, it was our speech therapist and OT at the time that said, Hey, the oral motor specialist is coming in to evaluate some of our kiddos. We'd like her to evaluate Corey and make sure that our plans for him, you know, are really definitely targeted to his oral motor function. I was like, I didn't even know an oral motor specialist was a thing. Um, it was life-changing actually. There was, after that appointment, there was, you know, and this was like, you know, within the uh, first year of, of starting therapy that the months to follow that appointment was leaps and bounds in his speech because they were able to give the most, you know, and my speech therapist too, it like helped contribute to her work, the most concise breakdown of his oral motor function and how that can contribute to his formation of sounds, speech words, down to chewing, just all the motor function in his mouth. Um, so it helped complement the occupational therapist plan and the speech therapist plan. And all of a sudden, all these people were working together. And then that team trained our ABA team. And so for you know, a good year and a half, we had this really well-oiled machine of, you know, and even me at home doing certain practicing and certain exercises, um, with him and his, in his mouth. I mean, in his language did jump and his articulation jumped. Um, and it was interesting. One of the things that came out of that evaluation was that she said, I'm, I'm almost certain that he has a posterior tongue tie and most people are familiar with anterior tongue ties because they're visible. You can see, see them in their mouth and usually, you know, your pediatrician or, um, dentist, child's pediatric dentist can notice it. It's easily noticeable and not all of them, you know, impact eating and speaking. Um, but usually, it's, it's very common that they do, but posterior tongue ties are really, really common. And I didn't know that they are just highly, um, underdiagnosed and typically developing humans usually easily overcome their posterior tongue ties. Um, but that's where you can also see sometimes, you know, delayed speech and communication, um, because of that. And there's other things that you, when you look that up of what, um, what that can indicate, um, and, and knowing how to target that, which is really, really awesome. It was yeah. just really, really helpful. And, um, so yeah, you could, if you have concerns about that, a dentist is a great place to start or a pediatrician and then, and also an ENT an ear, nose and throat doctor, mm -hmm. those can all kind of contribute to maybe helping you if you're concerned mm -hmm. about that. Um, those kinds of things in particular. Um, and myotherapy has come really popular too now, um, which is like muscular therapy mm. work, mm -hmm. um, especially in the, in the mouth. And so pediatric dentists are starting to work with them or refer them out to those teams as well to help work that myotherapy and kind of work 
be kind of similar to the oral motor specialist, um, but usually oral motor specialists are um, are SLPs first. Speech linguist language mm-hmm. and pathologists. That's pathologists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to usually, use all the full words for everything. It's usually their prerequisite credential and then they have the furthered credential of oral motor specialists. Specialist. And it's yeah. because then they've like went on to like under, get occupational therapy um, credential and um, all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And then Brittany mentions ENT, and I'm like, oh, wait, we saw one of those, too. Yeah. <laughs> saw, I made a list, you guys. Oh, so there was right, that, but too. So did, yeah, but so did Tosh. Tosh, but she got to see it all in, like, one-stop shopping, but we saw an ENT, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we went and saw a geneticist. To go back to geneticist real quick, because um, I think I'm the only one. We went and saw a geneticist specifically because I have two children who have been diagnosed with autism, and there is a genetic component to autism. If you have one child who has been diagnosed with autism, there is a higher chance that you will have a an addition another child if you have more children who have who have the same um you know um, diagnosis. So uh, my children are very very different, but they both are autistic. And so we went to a geneticist to have them tested to see if there were any chromosomal or other genetic markers that could indicate a pattern. And lo and behold, um, not only were there no patterns, but anything that marked, you know, to, I, I don't know, I don't know what I'm talking about, like medically guys, but like there's certain markers and things that they're looking for. They were like the opposite for Austin and Ruby. So not only was it like not conclusive, but it was like kind of confusing. <laughs> like both, all the doctors were just kind of like, huh, that's weird. So it's like, okay, well, that wasn't helpful. But at least we know now, like, at least I know. So I've met with a geneticist a couple of times and there's not, unless, unless further research, and I, I believe there is, they're making great strides in this area. We're probably not going to revisit that for us because it was kind of a dead end, but it's always good. I'd rather have that knowledge than, than wonder, you know? Um, yeah. I want to talk about a psychologist and psychiatrist really quick and excuse my computer clicking noises here. Um, so there's a difference between the two and they're, they're similar words. And so people get confused. I know I do too, sometimes as well, but there is a difference. And a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. So they have a PhD that can prescribe medications, mm-hmm. right? While a psychologist typically hold doctorate degrees, they, they can also be doctors, but they do not attend medical school and are not officially, like they're not medical doctors, like a pediatrician or a neurologist. Mm-hmm. So there's the difference. They both can deal with psychological behaviors and, and, and diagnoses. Under, yeah, all of yeah. that stuff. But there's an extra but. layer with a psychiatrist where they also have, they've gone to medical school. Right. Um. And they can they can prescribe medication. So we I would, see, yeah. Go go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say yes. Like for a for a um, me speaking personally as as myself, not even Jack, but but seeing um, a psychiatrist for th- those kinds mm-hmm. of formal diagnosis, ADHD, um, a uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Like any kind of depression, any kind of OCD, oh, yes. anxiety, um, yeah. anxiety. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've seen psych, we've seen pediatric psychologists. I have seen a psychologist for myself, um, um, not not for a, 
necessarily anxiety, but for, you know, other, well, yeah, it was for anxiety. Who are we kidding? Yes, it was. Um, and, and for other, for other things, but my children have seen them and I have seen them. Mm-hmm. We also have a pediatric psychiatrist for Austin mm-hmm. and he, that psychiatrist is kind of my, my head of my, um, medication, uh, you know, area for Austin. Uh, we receive, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, most of Austin's medications are managed and talked about and handled through our pediatric psychiatrist because of the kinds of things that we are working with with him behavior-wise and and the support he needs. That is the appropriate doctor to use. Now, my psychiatrist and my neurologist work very closely hand-in-hand with all of Austin's medications and they're constantly cross-checking to make sure that what we are giving him from one doctor and the other matches up and everybody's like happy with our little cocktail. Um, But I'm the liaison. I'm the one who goes back and forth between the two doctors. Typically I have sent information too, um, but, but I'm the one who's in charge of all of that and I meet with them separately. So Um, Just keep that in mind. If you need to go down the medication route, um, start with a neurologist or a pediatric psychiatrist. Um, I think they're both really great people to have on board. Um, My pediatric psychiatrist is an amazing person. Um, She has seen us in all. She's seen Austin. We we do all of them through telehealth, which is amazing. She's seen Austin throwing fits like she's she's actually seen the kinds of behaviors on screen. Um, that, that I'm concerned about. And she's, we've, you know, shown her, he's happened to have an episode while we've been meeting with her, which in a way is a good thing. Um, she's seen me like completely break down and cry. (laughs) Like it's just been, she's like a psychologist for me on top of everything else, but it's been, it's been a wonderful relationship and that's the kind of people you want to look out for. So, um, we've also seen a pediatric endocrinologist and I'm going to read the definition of that really fast. Um, an endocrinologist is a healthcare provider who specializes in um, studies in conditions related to hormones. So as you can imagine, since we have a teenager and we've been dealing with elevated behaviors since puberty has set, we have sought out a pediatric endocrinologist. They also, um, I was surprised, I did not know this, but a lot of endocrinologists uh, who work with children tend to work with uh, diabetics as well. Mm-hmm. There's there's a strong mm-hmm. component of um, diabetes in addition to um, hormones and, and, and developing and growing up. Um, you know, that age, a lot of children can develop. Uh, that's when diabetes can kind of come out, that juvenile diabetes stuff. So if that's an, something that could possibly be a concern for you, that's the doctor you would look into. Um, we also see a gastrologist, a pediatric gastrologist, and those doctors deal with digestive systems and <laughs> Tasha's raising her hand. Yes. Um, and, uh, all things with your stomach and your intestines and pooping and peeing and all that lovely, lovely stuff, kidneys and livers and gallbladders. And, um, so, um, and I guess that can fall under urology and other other specialized areas as well. So, um, I'm, I'm just running through this. So, uh, cause I know I'm just like throwing information to everyone. So take your time and re-listen to this if you need to. Um, there's specialist dentists, there's pediatric dentists, there's, um, there's dentists who are not only pediatric dentists, but then they have had additional training to work with special needs children. Mm-hmm. We see one of those dentists for Austin. 
And Tasha's raising her hand again. Um, and those are amazing. If you have the ability to hook up with one of those, they're hard to find. We had to do a lot of research and I travel 45 minutes one way to see my my pediatric dentist who specializes with kids with special needs. Mm-hmm. But for right now, that's what I need and it's worth it to me. Uh, we mentioned ENTs who are ear, nose, and throat doctors. Um, there's eye doctors. Um, if We... You- Yes. Yeah. We saw one extra. Um, we we briefly saw the gastroenterologist, but um, before that, we were seeing a physiatrist every year, a pediatric physiatrist, um, because of Jack's. What's that? So, physical medicine and rehabilitation physicians, also known as physiatrists, treat a wide variety of medical conditions affecting the brain, spinal cord, nerves, bones, joints, ligaments, muscles, and tendons. Um, because Jack was such a um, toe, toe walker and a and a and a, a very extreme toe walker, um, and then he also had uh, bowel issues. We they every year we were um, they were watching him and then also making sure that there wasn't a connection like maybe like a tethered spinal cord. Um, and then also, like I said, just going back every year to see how he is doing to, so we could rule out um, putting Jack in braces. So. Nice. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that's, that's all of the medical doctors that I have, but I wanted to mention just very briefly, we can probably do another episode on this, but just therapies in general. <laughs> <laughs> um, OT is occupational therapy. And I've had, I've, I've had people ask me what an OT is Yeah, and those, um, I, I can give a better definition and we probably should have an episode so, about this, but yeah. it's, it's fine, fine and gross motor skills and then sensory regulation in a nutshell. Right. So, so, so probably the three main that a lot of people would be seeing, um, yes. after diagnosis, before diagnosis would be ABA therapy. Speech therapy, yes. and occupational therapy. I would even Maybe. put a PT in there too, because a lot of and and, and sometimes physical therapy. Yeah, we we would have done physical therapy for Jack with the toe walking if if they would have really seen it as a concern. Yeah, good point. Yeah, so yeah, OT, speech, ABA, physical therapy, um, oral motor. Jean mentioned there's music therapy. Mm-hmm. We tried that for a little while. That came out of pocket and it was hard to get there and expensive. So we didn't continue with it, but it was, it was really interesting. And I, I find it, um, a fascinating way to approach, um, therapy. It, it, it can be put hand in hand with ABA and speech and some of these other things, but that's one to look into. Um, there's food therapy mm-hmm. if you're and that, that has a lot to do with OT and the, the fine and gross motor skills. And, but there's like, there's literally therapies if your child has difficulty swallowing or gagging or has a str- like significant taste aversions or food aversions. Um, there are food therapists out there. And I think another one that a lot of people do know about and, and will come in contact with is a behaviorist um, and behavior therapy and all that entails. Um, Equine therapy. Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jean. Yes. Jean does equine therapy, not only for herself, but... Um, her it kids started with and Rory. It started, it started with, Rory. yeah. And she loves it. And we get to see, she, she'll sometimes Marco Polo us and we get to see the, the beautiful horses, but, um, but it's such a, it can be such a 
great tool to have. There's been amazing studies about um, horses and children and, and and not only interacting with them, but the cadence in which they walk and they trot and how it can um, help regulate them. It's a multi-sensory input yeah. mm-hmm. uh, therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good. And it's way to learn through um, nonverbal, like just nonverbal communication, um, body language. That's, it's really, it's awesome. So I feel like I just took over, but I just had, no. I started listing off everything that we've seen and yeah. it's just ridiculous. So there you go. That's, that's who we've no, but seen. That's a good, that's a good, I feel like we covered a good basis of, and our kids are still kids. That's the and thing. Somehow. Well, and, but, 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 <laughs> and this is a whole list of doctors, but that is not to say your child needs to see all of these. No, people. no, no, no. And sometimes it's only oh, heavens, like no. we only saw these people once or twice and then we and we never had to go back, you know, or Correct. or, you know, our our pediatrician works hand in hand with um, a child psychiatrist at Seattle Children's Hospital for Jack's mm-hmm. ADHD. Um, so we don't even have to be involved in that, you know? Yeah. I mean, we do in the sense of like having to, you know, keep him updated and he sees Jack regularly, but then he refers to a psychiatrist who knows drugs, you know? Yeah. A lot of these doctors we would see regularly at first because there was an issue. There was a reason to seek out this Mm -hmm. medical professional. Mm -hmm. And then as those issues have been resolved and we've been able to find a medication or a therapy or something to help, or the problem just goes away on its own sometimes, Mm -hmm. we are able to either completely stop seeing that doctor or we we cut back significantly. I would say three or four of these doctors we see maybe once a year. So just keep that in mind. And and I do telehealth as absolutely as much as possible because Austin has such an aversion to going into doctor's offices. And um, I am very, very blessed. And I it is not lost on me that that is something that not everyone has. But if you have that ability, um, it's it's definitely a tool to use to see so many different doctors and be able to f- find the time and not not completely stress your kid out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, yeah. okay, I'm done talking. <laughs> and on that note, and on that note, shall we do peak of the week? We shall. Let's someone else it. go first. Peak <laughs> who wants, who wants of to the go? week. Anyone? Anyone want to go first? Peak. Well, <laughs> okay. Gee, I'll, I'll go, go first. first. I'm oh. gonna go. I'm okay. gonna go. Gene's like, do it. Gosh darn it! <laughs> Just do it already, then. <laughs> oh, geez. Stop okay. stalling. So my <laughs> peak of the week is that I have done some deep inward. Uh, soul searching, and I have um, been led by the big old God to do some um, advocacy work, like Miss Jean. <laughs> and I am currently in the midst of um, of of getting some things rolling for the um, some first responders in this area and for the church that I go to. Etc. Etc. That's so exciting. To to be continued. I love that cliffhanger. Sorry, guys. Too bad. So sad. (laughs) Okay, now on to me. Um, 
All right. So it's actually another Rory one. I guess I'm still just so in shock about how well he's doing in school. Um, and then to get a paper come home that says, Oh, Rory made honor roll. And I'm like, it's still, I, it's so surreal to me. It's, it's surreal to me. It's surreal. Even the way that he's embraced in his classroom and school environment, he is not, you know, performing on a level at his typical peers, but they don't treat him like that. Mm -hmm. I've just never, and he wants to be in that room. Like he, the other day they had a substitute and he actually didn't want to leave. The substitute was apparently terrible. And they were like, we need to get Rory out of here. But Rory didn't want to leave. He like really loves being in that room now. We're like, come on, Rory, you need a break. Come on, Rory. Okay, do this and then let's leave. You know, they were, it was, it was the reverse of what usually has to take place. So that has been um, just really moving for me. And then it's just surreal because I can't still like, I've wanted this. I've wanted this for him. Not, not the accolade of like his academic success, not that, but that it's the, what real, real inclusion is. That is mm -hmm. just so awesome. And I think That's that is what's testing him doing so well. Like, I mm -hmm. think that has him doing well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Truly. Love it. Tosh, what you got? She already shared she it. Already did I'm hers. sorry. I meant, I meant Brittany and I was looking at Tosh. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Sure. You just sure. love Whatever. me so Ugh. much. I'm um, stop so. staring at you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm currently trying to update my wardrobe because <laughs> I buy most of my clothes at Costco. You guys, I'm just going to say it. So, and there's nothing wrong with no that. No shame in that. No, I feel like there's lots of people who do that. I will still continue to do that. I'm just trying to add in some things because I'm trying to dress my age and be appropriate <laughs> and not just be in leggings all day. I'm really trying. So anyway, um, if you have, if you need jean recommendations, like blue jeans, talk to Shannon. She just, no, I was like, like <laughs> but my name is Jean. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> That's confusing. Denim, 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 denim. Thank you. Yes, denim. <laughs> if you need some denim recommendations, I'm gonna. J Sh Shannon gave me like three different ones to try, so I'm gonna do that. And then, um, I just bought a pair of Birkenstock shoes. Tennis. So they're not tennis shoes, and they are amazing. If, if Birkenstocks are your jam because of the high arch that you need on your foot, which is what I need all the time. They are tennis shoes, but they have the arch inside. It's it's like wearing Birkenstock sandals, but for the winter. And I couldn't be happier about it. So take a look at those. Worth every penny. <laughs> Love it. This is not an ad, but let's get us a sponsorship deal. Yeah, Bir yeah come on, Birks. Yep. You know, yep. <laughs> we're going to have to tag them in on Instagram later. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so mine, I'm kind of going back to what Jean talked about on our last episode that we recorded. And God knows when this one is going to launch. But um, I have no people idea. are probably like so confused. Like, what's we happening? don't even know because we don't, guys, we don't record these the same week or the week before they launch. Just, <laughs> you know. um, and you'll know that when I say that we do them way. It was Halloween yes. this week. Um, 
And Halloween is sort of hit or miss for us. Pretty much every year, Gracie has gone in a stroller for Halloween, mostly for just safety reasons to make sure she's not running out into the middle of the road um, while we're trick-or-treating and that sort of thing. Um, And this year, Gracie walked the entire time for trick-or-treating. And she went up to every single door and she said, trick-or-treat. And she said, thank you. And she, you know, when told to pick one, she picked one. And when told to pick two, she picked two. Um, the verbalization obviously was prompted by us, us teaching her trick or treat and what happens, you know, when you say trick or treat. Um, there's been many years where she did not say trick or treat and we did not require her to say it. Um, so, you know, that's just another small area of growth for her. Um, and she did try to make herself at home in a few households because they looked very welcoming. Um, luckily, all of our neighbors in the new <laughs> neighborhoods seem to be very friendly. Um, so we've got that going for us. Um, downfall of amazing trick-or-treating is that now she wants to trick-or-treat constantly. Yeah. And that's a bit of a struggle is trying to explain to her now that Ugh. we don't trick-or-treat anymore. That and is- now she really likes to ring our doorbells. So we have that going on too. Um, There's always I repercussions. <laughs> I know, right? There's always an other, another uh, side. But I, I told Jay maybe, like now that we've taken her trick-or-treating, if she, because we're always worried she's going to get out of our house and escape us somehow. Um, I'm like, maybe now she'll just go to the neighbor's house and ring the doorbells because <laughs> she yeah. thinks they all have candy. Yeah. And that's like best case scenario, right? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> meanwhile, they're like, meanwhile, people are going to be like, should I be concerned that she's asking adults for candy on other things? Because usually that means somebody in a van has drove by and be like, hey, little kid, oh, want some candy? God. Concerning. Concerning. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just really proud of her. She did such a good job on Halloween. And that was on like a massive lack of sleep. So maybe it was delirium. I don't know. But she crushed Halloween Ooh, this year. So that, that was awesome. Love that. I also love Shannon how you say Halloween. You say Halloween. like Halloween. It's Halloween. It's Halloween. Halloween. It's Halloween. Just like it's ha- it's Halloween. Just like it's Halloween. Marsh. It's Mallow. Marshmallow. It's not Hallow. Mallow. It's Hallow. Wait, is it Halo? Well, it's, it's all. It's I an thought a. it's Hallow. It's Hallow. Hallow. All, all Hallows. Uh, I feel all like we're going to give somebody We are smart, yeah, educated people. No, I swear. All Hallows Eve. All yes. Hall- Hallows, Hallows Eve. Hallows. It is. Hallows? Hallows. It is. Hallows. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Oh we shouldn't even have, we should not have the girl in, from Baltimore trying to pronounce potato, potato. those potato, potato. particular words. The girl potato, from potato. Baltimore who's been living in Texas. Talk about a um, uh, mess yeah, of that's kind language. Of <laughs> <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey is offended because he had the number one Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> this what it was he was he was voted texas was voted the sexiest dialect <sighs> in the u.s okay, i do not well, agree with okay. that I'm, sorry. I'm going to pause this very quickly all right all right all no. right we're gonna we're gonna cut this off we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> he, nip it in the bud i'm about to mute all of you you're all gonna get muted i have the power it is in my hands. <laughs> Wait, I want to hear what Tasha has to say, though. Welcome. Goodbye. We love you. Moms Talk Autism. Say bye. Bye. Cut off these cliffhangers. Bye. Okay, bye. 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 <laughs>